attention, attention please. The Camp Ojibwa History Podcast is on the air. Hello and welcome to the Camp Ojibwa History Podcast. My name is Christopher Thomason. I'm your host for this and many, many more trips down memory lane. The Camp Ojibwa History Podcast is a podcast dedicated to collecting the stories, the history, the memories of Camp Ojibwa for Boys in Eagle River, Wisconsin, founded 1928. This week's guest on the podcast, Dickie Paul. Dickie Paul, special post-camp episode of the podcast talking all about post camp with dickie paul before we get to that first and foremost my apologies no episode last week end of camp combined with me being very sick unfortunately uh, and not only not having a voice but not being able to get out of bed for a few days at all so uh my apologies for that i will be making it up to you this week with an extra episode midweek so stay tuned for that surprise but yes thank you for sticking with us and i assure you we'll be back on track as uh as real camp and post camp start to draw to a close and we're looking to the off season ahead building up to the 90th summer party oj90.com that's up now stop by there put your contact info in so we can get in touch with you when it's time for the big party and for you to get your tickets and of course if you haven't picked up your brick yet stop by campojibahistory.org and click on walk of fame okay enough of the enough of the shilling i don't want to i don't want bob kaufman to turn the radio off just yet here we go post camp podcast dickie paul on the Camp Ojibwa History Podcast. Please say your name and your years at Camp Ojibwa. Yeah, I didn't count it actually. Um, or like, what what year did you start? Yeah, so um, okay. Hi, I'm I'm Dickie Paul, <laughs> uh, Richard, also known as Dickie Paul, and I started post camp in 1998 with my wife. Nice, Robin. And you guys have been there pretty much every year since. We've been there every year since, except for one that was last year. Right on. Looking forward to getting back to it this year. Excellent. Yes, we're looking forward to having you back. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> First week was a little slim last year. Yeah, that's what I hear. <laughs> so it'll be nice to... I think the dates are, are kind of kicking us in the butt right now, too. It's just timing-wise with school and things like that. Exactly. But, um, so w- what brought you to post-camp? Good question. Good question, Chris. <laughs> so uh, my wife and I got married on August 9th in 1997, and I had all sorts of friends who were going to post-camp, and, and they were on our guest list for our wedding, and... It just so happened that camp started a couple of days uh, before, post-camp started a couple of days before our wedding, 
but they hung out, they hung out, um, and stayed for our wedding. And when about 10, 10 30 on the night of our wedding, all of our post camp friends said, okay, gotta go. <laughs> gotta get the car. Gotta get up North. That's awesome. And so, <laughs> I'm like, what? You're going to, you know, and we sort of knew that they, we already knew that they were going to post camp and we already had sort of an idea of what post camp was. Cause I went to camp in Elkhart Lake to a theater camp hmm. for nine years when I was a kid. And I had heard of Camp Ojibwa from all the kids that I went to junior high with and high school with. And, um, when we got older and I knew some of my other friends who also weren't campers at Ojibwa, like, like me, um, when they started going to post camp and we had a post camp at my theater camp as well too. So I knew mm. what it was. I knew what it was all about and it sounded like a great time. Sure. And when those guys left our wedding, my wife and I talked to each other and we said, let's see if we can get up there next year. And so we did. We spent our first wedding anniversary up there. Nice. And we've stayed ever since. Very nice. <laughs> what was it that, uh, what was it that appealed so much that you're like, okay, I'm in, I brought you back. Well, I've always been a camper and, um, you know, it's interesting because Ojibwa, to me, knowing the kids that went there, it was sort of the competitive athlete types. And, and I love I loved playing sports. I wasn't the greatest athlete in my age group, but um, I, I did love camp. And my camp that I had gone to was sort of lacking in competition. In fact, they're anti-competition. Sure. And so I was always jealous of that I would hear from what I would hear about what Ojibwa was to the campers, the, the hardcore campers that were there my age. And I would hear stories about, you know, the, um, you know, the, the weeks that they would have with all the sports and everything. Sure. Of course. Um, Collegiate week. Collegiate week. Like Thank yeah. you. Sorry. Yeah. I couldn't come up with it. Um, <laughs> I mean, you were talking about arguably the greatest sporting event in the history of all indeed, sporting events. Come indeed. on. <laughs> indeed. Um, and, and just, just the mere fact that every day they were playing softball or baseball or yeah football or hockey or water skiing and all that stuff. And we, you know, we had plenty of sports at my camp, but like I said, it wasn't structured enough for me. And I felt like I it sort of left a void. So, um, it, it always, Ojibwa always sort of had a mystique to me, even though I didn't, I had never set foot in the place and always wondered what it was like. And, um, then going up to the post camp, you know, I, I sort of calmed down in my older years, but there was still sort of a part of me that, that liked the idea of, of competition and being able to get involved. So when I first started coming up with my wife, you know, um, there was the tennis tournament. Sure. There were spontaneous softball games and those were more kind of like what I was used to with, you know, just, just for fun and very good sportsmanship. I I was real surprised. Um, what, how not sort of non-competitive it was, you know, again, it was post camp. I know it's different during the camp season, but, um, but the balance of post camp between like the leisure and the joy mm. of just sitting in the sun and hanging out on the beach and being with friends and family and um, it, it just it all the whole balance just really appealed to me. Yeah. So a lot of the people that were there were already your friends. You were saying they were already friends who were at your wedding or whatever, and and I assume that has continued. Those are some of the families that have kept on. True, and and a lot of the families that we've met up there now. So and so. Well, you know, we've always gone for the first week of post camp and, you know, two, three of the cabins are, are very close friends that we've always 
that we've always been friends with. But since then, you know, we met and reconnected with some other friends from college. Mm. Um, and then just, you know, really connected with some of the people that were up there, people that we maybe knew just a little bit. Um, I don't know, should I name names? Sure, why well, not? You know, the only danger in naming names is forgetting someone, but they'll forgive you. <laughs> That's true. Well, uh, you know, obviously, well, so we were very close with uh, Mike and Wendy Esger. Their family was up there at the time when we started coming up there. They were there with both sets of their parents, um, Marvin Barber Glick and Jerry and Harley Esger. And um, we ended up sharing a cabin with the Schifrins, Brian and Katie and Oren and Bonnie. And they started adding kids nonstop. And, <laughs> um, and so the cabin kept, cabin one kept growing, um, the Pauls and the Schifrins and... Um, and then, but then we also went to school with some of the other guys. Uh, I, I went to college at U of I with some of the guys in cabin too, Steve Rosen, Mark Roth and, uh, Billy Schwartz. And, um, um, at the time Al Singer was coming up and I was friends with, with Joel Losoff from, mm. from, um, just, you know, from being around the, the shore Sure. Um, we met through some of the other guys, some of the other U of I guys, and I, I've always loved Joel. And um, yeah, those so, guys. So there was enough of a connection of guys there that really made it feel comfortable. But then we also connected with the Kramers and the Libmans, who we knew from high school, or I knew from high school. Mm. Um, and are you sort of age wise, Andrew Kramer? Are you guys about, <clears throat> are you ballparky? Yeah, Andrew's a year older than I am. Gotcha. And. Um, um, Bob and Bob Libman and Susie Libman, Andy's wife, Susie Kramer now, um, they're a year or two older also. Gotcha. And so I, I knew them in high school, but you know, we, we connected great nice. at, at camp. And so there was, there was definitely some comfort and then, you know, just everybody else up there after, after a couple of years of going up to camp with them, they were our family. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. awesome that first day when people start arriving and, and, and even, you know, I have to imagine, like, I don't live in this area. So for me, when I see a lot of you guys, it's like the first time I've seen you since last year. Right. But for you guys who do live here, I would imagine it's not like you hang out all the time. So there's still a level of like, when you get to camp, you're seeing each other at camp and that kind of is this other thing. Yeah. It's, it's our time. Super exciting. It's finally, it's finally our time. Yeah. And, and in a way camp sort of takes the pressure off of having to get together with these groups oh, during sure. the year. Um, because we know that we're going to have our time. Right. And so, yeah. So when we find out someone's can't make it up for a se- for one of the years or the devastating one we found, we couldn't, we realized we couldn't go because we had a daughter who was starting school too early. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when, you know, that's, that's a bummer when that happens. Yeah, for sure. Now I've heard a rumor. I, I would not put any truth to this, but I've heard a rumor that there's a certain award that's been going around the past couple of years for people who didn't make it up. So, uh, I don't know. I wouldn't want to receive that award is, uh, yes, we were, we were the <laughs> gleeful recipients of that award. God, the video of, of everyone's assholes. <laughs> Great. Did you see that video? Yeah. Uh, well, you know, I mean, as far as I know, there was only one or two video editors at camp this oh, year, so okay. uh, I, I <laughs> nice might have work. seen a little bit of it. <laughs> nice work, Chris. Yeah, that was great. That was good stuff. That's um, tremendous. So, for the listening audience who has never been to post camp, uh, let's paint them a little of a picture. What does a post camp day look like, or what is the the post camp journey? What are the kinds of things people do? Um, let's say first, what are the sort of structured things that people do at camp? Well, I would say the main structure is Reveille. 
<laughs> when Denny gets to wake everyone up, and I've actually downloaded that to my phone now, and that's now my my daily alarm. Very nice. Um, and that's such a wonderful thing. Um, and then the the meal times are basically the main structure. I mean, you got to get to breakfast at a certain time, or you're not going to eat breakfast. But there's, I mean, because it's post camp and it's not camp camp. Um, we can keep some food in our cabin. So if yes. we want to sleep in, we could sleep in. It's, <laughs> it's camp, but it's the, all the joy and the, and the freedom that you don't get at camp camp because there's nobody telling you really what to do. Right. It's like a choose your own. <clears throat> exactly. you, so you can pick to do it or, or not to do it and no one cares. That's fine. Yeah. Um, and then as far as like, so you have your meals, you got your breakfast, lunch, dinner, fourth meal, which is, you know, I mean, being at camp all summer and then suddenly having a fourth meal every night. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. Great. You know, it, it occurred to me after about 10 years of that fourth meal that um, I was coming home from summer, um, you know, like 10 pounds heavier. It's <laughs> <laughs> added up over the years. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm in a way I'm kind of, uh, I'm, I'm part of the movement that thinks we should do away with the fourth meal. Whoa. Yes, I know. It's move. unpopular opinion. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. People. <laughs> the hashtag no more fourth meal. <laughs> one, of the, one of the biggest eaters and biggest offenders. Cause it, it's just, I don't have, I don't have that kind of control. I got to eat. If it's, a, if there's a meal in front of me, I got to eat it. You and know, it's but, not like there's anything healthy at fourth meal. Yeah. Well, there is, but there's like eat, six grapes in the corner exactly. <laughs> and then there's uh, what were those deep fried sandwiches he did last? Oh, forget about it. Yay, writer. Yeah. And then like at some point, um, this may be a negative, but, um, and feel free to edit this out if necessary. Um, you know, when I, when we first, when we first came to camp, it was just me and my wife and, you know, some of the families had a kid or a kid in it, you know, small kids. Um, it got to a certain age where, um, the kids were lined up for the fourth meal, you know, half hour before the meal started, they were waiting outside <laughs> and you know, it's like, they don't need the fourth meal anyway. <laughs> Just yeah. like I don't. So that's when the uh, parents are not paying attention and they can eat six pieces of cheesecake. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. I mean, and but Hey, that's, you know, it's a tradition and you know, who am I to, to, of, of all the traditions, you know, um, the food traditions are, of course, yeah, we love to eat. That's a big piece of what post camp is. I mean, we always, uh, when people ask us, like, define it, you know, land cruise is the first word we always say. <laughs> like, it's a cruise that doesn't leave the leave oh, the shore, yeah. but exactly. it's that kind of eating level for sure. Uh, but we also have some some events that happen in the evenings, uh, some structured events, yes, some classics that, and as as far as I know, except for the disco dance, the relatively new disco dance, that every other event basically goes back to the fifties at least. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think bingo. So there's bingo and, uh, bingo has the, it's a Hazarai bingo. Hazarai bingo. Uh, I think that bingo once upon a time was a little more elegant. Yes. <laughs> it imagine. wasn't just take all the toys. Um, <laughs> yeah, those, the evening activities I think are what separate it from being a camp experience versus a cruise. Yeah. It's more camp is more of course than just, waking up and eating and then screwing around doing whatever you want to do every day. Um, you know, there's a, of course the daily activities like playing tennis and going to the waterfront and archery and taking walks and stuff like that, which is amazing. But what really makes it camp is the traditional historical, um, thoughtful, mm. 
events that take place that um, that make us that have always made me and my family feel very involved with the camp. Yeah. It's really made the connection with the camp, and it's it's incredible because you know, I've mentioned that I've, I went to another camp growing up, but I realize now that. I've been going to post camp at Ojibwa more than twice the length of time oh, that, wow. I've, that I went to camp camp. Um, and I feel so much more connection to Ojibwa than, than any other place outside of our home. Hmm. Um, and so, yeah, the, the campfires, the, the big bonfires and, and, um, when Denny gives a speech and the, and the first night when we get together and the families introduce themselves and, you know, after, after 18 years of doing it, um, <laughs> it's turned into, you know, kind of a joking session. Uh, it's, it was a little stiff and formal when I first came. Oh, sure. Um, but now everybody's basically known each other for so long that it's just amazing. At this point, it really is more just to introduce the staff. So the staff can learn your names <laughs> than, <is> true. <laughs> than anything else at this point. This is true. Um, but I love what you said there about thoughtful because the first time I watched the, uh, the talent show, I, I had no idea. And he was like, oh, we're going to do a talent show. Can you just make sure you have music and stuff? I was like, whatever. Okay. Um, but that, you can't just say those words and give it any justice for what it really is. Yeah. It's such a beautiful, it's exactly what you talked about. Like that moment. So for people who don't know, Denny, anytime an act goes to the stage, they go up and they sit with Denny and they talk and they introduce themselves. And we're talking about the little kids, but all the way up, whoever goes up there basically has this little talk and introduces themselves to the audience and it's intimate and it's friendly. It really is like sitting around your living room. If you had a gigantic living room yeah. and each of you taking turns and doing something funny in front of everyone and everyone loves each other and everyone loves how great their, that other kid is doing and yeah. they're filming it. And it's really, really something. And then the family numbers too. Oh, Those, well, the, sure. Let me not ignore <laughs> that while the kids are doing a great job, then comes the powerhouses. <laughs> <laughs> Um, how far back now? How far back does this uh, sort of battle of these big family numbers go? Do you think? Yeah, you know, I I think it went on a little bit before we started coming with the Esger family and the Kramer family. Um, that was one of the things that also very much attracted us to come there because um, I talk about a void of of competition when I was young and. Mm. That this is a good kind of playful competition that that plays right into my wheelhouse. And um, we, when we first got there, we were like, okay, we're making this a competition. And we like, you know, we went up there and we were like, cabin one, cabin one, yay, cabin one. And we and we, um, you know, kind of lashed out at some of the other people <laughs> around around the camp. Um, um, we had some framework to deal with because to, to begin with, because like I said, the, the Asgers had been doing it for years. Um, but I think that that was something that, uh, Robin and I were really able to help contribute to because Robin is a, is, is a brilliant, um, sarcastic songwriter. <laughs> and that's after after all that's what that's a talent show is sarcastic that's, that's songs the perfect talent for this exactly <laughs> um and um and then i have like a musical sense so i could bring the music the music to the group um so i feel like i feel like we helped up the the group's game a little bit yeah and so we were kind of our the musical ringer if you will <laughs> 
No, it's really it's fantastic. It it is something to see. Uh, last and, year and, was and, a little and 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 just one going back to the, the kids performing. It was an opportunity once we started having kids and once God my I think my daughter was four or five years. My oldest daughter was four or five years old, and we started mm. joining in with the other families who had father son numbers and. That really became a very, very special thing for uh, for us, um, and it, it was great over the years finding a song and working it up. And sometimes it was stressful, but other times it was just at the by the end of the performance, it was just a beautiful, beautiful feeling of yeah. being able to work a project with your kid. And, and you know, how often do we get to do that in our regular daily lives? Yeah, absolutely. And a safe place to sort of perform it. And, exactly. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you that as an observer, it's as equally effective outside to watch. I mean, you know, those moments are real and that's the thing we're doing there as a group. It's beautiful. So you talked about being the musical ringers. Uh, tell me a little bit about what happens in front of sort of vaguely in front of cabins one, two and three most nights of uh, post camp. <laughs> well, most nights, see, now we're on the stage where. We're asleep and the kids are. Around. Oh, it's maybe a little <laughs> early evening period now yes, these days. <laughs> yes, um, we there's almost always a portion of the day where we dedicate time to just making music, shouting at the stars, um, and um, gathering up whoever wants to sing along, sing along, pick some songs. There have been times when it's very structured and it's felt less comfortable, and then there have been times where it's just it just bursts out and it, it happens whatever mm -hmm. it happens happens so yeah we started um hanging out um in front of the cabins a lot of time during the day because you know there are a handful of us who weren't always motivated to go find an activity to do it was sure. more of just sitting around and relaxing and um but i couldn't sit still all the time so yeah it was, it was it's always great to make music there um and and the Sort of the lack of of mind clutter that you experience on on any vacation, but certainly up in that milieu of camp, um, really enables you to get creative and um, let go and mm, yeah and find your musical stride. So th there have been some amazing musical moments up there. Nice. Some better than others, but yes, sure. just some some really fun jams. Sessions. Yeah. I love that because when I started started post camp again, <clears throat> my expectation was like, oh, I'm sure we organize some games for the kids at like noon or right after lunch, and there's probably a thing for the adults about five, and it will do and then he was like, oh, calm down. <laughs> he's like, look, there's a tennis tournament, they're gonna run it if they want to run it. Don't even get in their way. <laughs> and he's like, other than that, we'll do these nightly things. If they show up, they show up. If they don't, they don't. This is their thing. I was like, oh, okay. And so then I had the expectation of like, oh, this is really just like they're here to vacation and if we'll do this stuff, but no one will show up. And it became this beautiful like combination of both. So of course the few structured activities, everybody comes to, I mean, it's very rare that people don't, but that, um, outside of that, whether it was you guys in your circle or like the Kramers in their reading circle or whatever, yeah. like everyone kind of has their little things. And that's a bit, that's part of the tradition. That's part of what you do when you're there. And so there are these other sort of structured things that aren't really structured, but they just happen and they become part of your traditions. And that's part of what post camp is. It's really, it's very cool. Yeah, and, and I have to say that with, for instance, the tennis tournament you mentioned, um, that was one of those things that I was really looking forward to from the perspective of sort of an incoming sort of outsider. I figured that that's a really good way to 
to connect with all the people, you know, mm. do it in the, in the competitive setting and, um, and, and sort of be able to experience the Ojibwa competition that way. And, and, you know, listen, I, I, I learned very quickly that it's not about competition so much, <laughs> the tennis tournament. In fact, I, I was a little intimidated going into my first couple of years of it. And I realized that it was the former campers, the, the people who really knew Ojibwa, mm. that helped dictate the easy sportsmanship that took place, that takes place in the tennis tournaments. Um, or any of the competitive events, actually. It's really more about fun. Yeah. And, you know, and I'm sure there are times during the camp season where it's more about winning and um, Certainly. Yeah. The, the, the intensity of the competition, which has got to be so joyful when you're a young kid, and it is, and, you know, I've experienced enough of competition in my life. But, um, but yeah, the, like I said, the balance of, of um, competitive fun that yeah. takes place in some of those events is really is again sort of what dict what defines post camp. Um, yeah. you know, there's there's events and then there's there's just the the ease that comes along with it. Yeah, for there's sure. nothing like it really. I've world. really loved the past couple of years since we put in the lights on the on the softball field out the, on the far field. You guys going out and playing, and because you're not playing a game you're, you're playing everyone bats every every inning you know kind of a thing and so and and you know Ojibwa, oh my god you're not playing by the rules play by the rules it's a commitment <laughs> yeah. um but uh, i always come out and sit in the golf cart and have a cigar and watch the game from afar because you know i like to you know i don't invade too much if it's not my spice to invade too much unless it's a poker game nah, you're right. exactly <laughs> but you're right you're right i would totally be welcome if if i wanted to go play everyone would be like come on and play but you know i love like it being your thing you know and stuff but it's so Plus it's a rest for you because you're kind of working Totally, totally. I get a little, I get a little break here and there. <laughs> yeah, my, one of my favorite stories from that softball, from that softball game, the nighttime softball game, is watching my, my then she was probably about uh, 10, 12 years old. My daughter, she got on base and she was, um, she was. I think she tried to take second, and she was. I don't know whether she was advancing from first or she was. She rounded first and took second, but she was making her way into second. She tripped. And she went full booty up in the air. Her <laughs> pants came down and her butt was exposed. And I was so worried that she was going to be embarrassed and run away. And she had the biggest smile on her face, cracking <laughs> up herself, too. That's no, funny. That's camp. That's camp. That's camp. So here's a controversial take. Hot take. Here we go. Let's go. Why is week one better than week two? Oh, see. <laughs> <laughs> Dangerous territory. <laughs> um, I know that week two has much more, many more people who were campers, campers. Mm, yeah. Um, certainly the ones who were my contemporaries. I know that some of the elders in week one were campers way back when and, sure. and have been going to post camp now forever. Um, but some of the guys that are my age that are in week two, those guys were all the, you know, the hardcore campers and um, those guys, you know, the, there's a, I don't know, you know, honestly, I don't know. There's a different mentality. I never went to week two, so I couldn't right. tell you. Um, we had Greg Belisius Punch come who had been going for week two and then switched over to week one and he was a great addition to week one. 
He's an old camper just like us. Uh, or just like um, some of the guys from mm-hmm. from the second week. <clears throat> I'm going to um, assume he paid you to say that, by the way. Who loves you, Ponch? Um, <laughs> <laughs> he, he can't pay me enough to say nice things about him. Um, it's funny. It, you, I, I asked you a, a little bit tongue-in-cheek because um, the two weeks always ask about each other. Yeah. And both weeks assume they're the, the better week, obviously, for whatever reason it might be, you know. <laughs> And it's just so funny because all of us staff guys, you know, we get asked all the time, well, what's the other week? Like, oh, I bet they're awful. I bet they're just, they're not fun or whatever. And I'm like, everyone's always having a great, it's post camp. Like it might be a different, you know, social circle or whatever, but in general, everyone's having a great time. What did I hear? I heard like the guys from week two, like some of the rumors I would hear is that the guys from week two would always just dump their kids off and go play hardcore basketball or hardcore (laughs) baseball. Um, always sports, 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 competition all day long, every day. And so um, at least our segment of the camp on week one, we, we, had, we created an event called Long Distance Sleeping. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, sure. Yeah, so we're more of a distance, <laughs> distance competition. And in, in their defense, uh, week two is not really a week. It's sort of half a week. Yeah, so they're, they're right. squeezing they squeeze a lot in, more. Right? Yeah. You know, even the nightly events, we sort of combine. You know, you don't do s'mores and and uh, introductions separate. You do them as the same thing and things like that. So it's a little more, you know, tightly packed. But we still fit it all in. Yeah. <laughs> and, and listen, those guys have so much history of going to camp. And they have the things that they're going to want to accomplish, too. Sure. So, yeah. And, and the short week, yeah, I, I understand. Yeah. Um, but man, we have fun in week one. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Week two. Listen, I will tell you, there's no poker game in week two. So not at get all. all my poker game out. Well, they're probably all, they're wiped out, right? They can't stay up that they're late. Good. They're playing sports all day. They're doing all kinds of stuff. Absolutely. Uh, so as we kind of wrap things up, uh, what I always like to ask everyone, and this is a little bit of a different perspective with, uh, being a post camper, but I, I don't think so. Um, I always ask everyone, you know, how has your time at Camp Ojibwa affected your life? Um, well, for one thing, it's enabled my wife and I and my wife and myself and my kids to be able to, to have vacations. I mean, we don't, we, we're not big travelers. Um, we're, we get to be together all the time at home. Um, we do spend a lot of time together as a family. But being away together, there's nothing like that. There's nothing like vacation time to soothe the family soul. Mm. And Ojibwa is just the tonic. And so, in a way, it's helped us keep perfectly sane. I shouldn't say perfectly sane. <laughs> it's, a way of, it's a way for us to, to not go out of our minds yeah. um, and to... I've heard the phrase control alt delete. I've heard the phrase to um to um to cleanse to cleanse what ails us. Yeah. Um it, it's it's really just helped us be steady and it's given us a sense of belonging. It's it's given us a sense of identity. You know, growing up our kids considered them Ojibwa consider themselves Ojibwa campers and mm. um that's where they learned to want camp. And so now they've grown up and they're, they're campers. They want to be away at their camp. And it's a totally different experience for them to go to camp without their parents. Um, but they still love that extra couple of days at the end of the camp season to be able to, um, to go to camp with their parents. Yeah. 
That's super cool. Again, it's it's just provided so much balance for us. Yeah. So the last thing I always ask everyone is uh, part of this project is um, down the road. Great project, by the way. Thank you. Um, I want to go in and into the podcast when I've got a hundred or two in the bank and pull out the little like nugget camp stories that we all tell. Those little stories are like, Hey, what happened at camp? They say, well, you're not going to believe this, but blah, 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 whatever. Kind of pull them out. So I always ask everyone, tell me one more great camp story. Okay. I'll give you, I'll give you, I'll give you two, one of which I don't know where I'm going with it. Oh, okay. Two. Okay. One of the things that, that will forever stand out of my mind as possibly the greatest laugh I've ever had. And you maybe have to see it to, to believe it. Um, we were playing a game <clears throat> after the fourth meal. Um, we used to hang out in the cafeteria and, or the mess hall. And um, there was, it was, I guess it was a game of charades. So we we're trying to figure out there was two groups and one of the groups, uh, they, it was their turn to act out the thing. And, um, there was Harley, um, Harley Esger and Mark Roth was also part of that group. And they were, they got on top of one of the tables, all like a bunch of them, like six or seven people got on top of the table and they were crawling around like dogs or horses. And we couldn't figure <laughs> out what they were doing. And Mark Roth got behind Harley Esger and started um, acting like he was mounting her. And he was thrusting and pounding and pounding and thrusting. And Harley didn't see this. She, I don't even think she knew it was, it was happening. But, you know, for, from, our, from our vantage point, it was probably the greatest sight gag in all of creation. You got to know Harley. You got to know Mark. Uh, you know, Mark was so and so exaggerated in his movement and it was so freaky seeing it happen but it was I, I we just lost it and we were laughing for days um it, it's a it's a visual image that stands out and then um you know um <clears throat> you know I, i'm gonna take some license and say some of one of the memories one of the very good memories i have and kind of one of the more of more of a experiential um, aspect of camp is when we first started coming, there was more of an emphasis. Once we had like a lot of kids, there was less of an emphasis on this of, of getting, renting a boat and mm. um, getting on it at night and maybe having some beverages. And um, every once in a while we would put the light on it and take it for a spin around the, around the Island mm. Um, and sometimes just, you know, kill the engine and just sit in the stars. Um, and, um, there was one night where I guess we were kind of pretty, getting pretty crazy and playing some music. And I think we were dancing and playing on the boat and, um, we, you know, I guess we, 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 I don't know where I'm going. Like I said, I don't know where I'm going with this story. Sure. But, you know, this is, I could be actually blending like five nights together. <laughs> um, but uh, there was, you know, we were seeing things. We weren't sure if we were seeing other boats coming in. We were, we got paranoid that there were cop boats. We, um, yeah, I, I don't know where I'm going with the story. But, but let's go back to. <laughs> 
just being in the stars, in a boat, in the water. That was that was our post camp Ojibwa night experience. Mm. Stepping a little bit away from the camp, it wasn't you know it wasn't the so called camp experience, but that was our post camp um, highlights is being able to be out in the open, see these beautiful stars, and be with our friends. Yeah, just have some quiet. Yeah, for and sure. So that was that was a huge part of of what our first couple of years were there. Couldn't wait to get back out on the water in the night. Yeah, that post camp sky, man. I mean, I'm there all summer, nothing and like there's that. nothing. When, when August hits, the sky becomes the sky. Like the, it's just I don't know. Things Not so much in right. June. Not so much in June. I don't know if it's the uh, that it starts to get darker a little earlier. So you're going to get, yeah. by the time you get to 11 o'clock or whatever, it's a better sky. Whether you're seeing, it feels like there's more stars. I don't think that's scientifically possible, but whatever it is. And last year, briefly at way North, I saw a little bit of Northern lights. I've been waiting forever. And, uh, What's his name? Um, Rob. Yes, thank you, Big Rob. <laughs> when I'm doing He's, this, there's only a couple guys. That get, yeah. for, for the record, uh, Chris was raising his arms above his head in in awe. <laughs> yes, always in awe, of Rob. Well, Rob was like, oh, oh I heard there's the Northern Lights. I was going to try to see them, and then they weren't there. So I was like, Rob, I don't care what time it is. If they're ever out, you come wake me up. Yeah, yeah. I don't care if how drunk I am. <laughs> like, drag me out. Make sure I see them. I've been waiting 17 years. And I saw just way far away a little glimpse that I think were the Northern Lights. But. Yeah, not always so easy because of the, you get the lights from town kind of interfering. Yeah. But yeah, that was, uh, I was camping up in Eagle River a couple of years with, with my very close friend group um, over on Duck Lake. Um, it was where Wild Eagle Resort is now. It used to be um, just an open um, campground where you can set up tents. They had little campsites along the water, mm. which was amazing. And one of the five, six years that we did that before I even started with post camp, um, we had a perfect angle, and we could not believe what we saw. I mean, as we we caught it, it was it had to be, oh, um, probably sometime around like in the early '90s, mm. and there was no light interference because of where Duck Lake is. Um, the town isn't between you and the north, mm. so you're kind of you kind of gotcha. have your back to town, so there was much less light interference that way. It's amazing. Yeah, it was amazing, and 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 God, you know, we need more of that up there. Yeah, for sure, <laughs> for sure. All right, well, listen, this has been great. Thanks, Chris. Thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate you coming this out. A good time. Awesome. Okay, that is it. Another one in the books. This one, all post-camp centric with Dickie Paul. Fun episode, uh, especially being right here in the throes of post-camp as we speak. Week one is just now drawing to a close. I say that it's Sunday, but a a big portion of the first week post-campers left today. And uh, Thursday, the second weekers show up. So we're right in the heart of it. If you want to get in touch with the podcast, as always, you know how. Drop me an email, Christopher at CampoJibbaHistory.org. CampoJibbaHistory.org. Or just swing by the website and check out what's going on over there. 
as I promised, there will be a special bonus episode this week. Probably Thursday, so keep your eyes and ears peeled for that. I am hoping that I can finally put this sickness in the back seat and move forward. I have been sick for the past uh, three weeks uh, in various increments of terrible. So hopefully I can get healthy and get outside and have a cigar. Mm-hmm.